Hello and welcome to MMA High Five. My name is Kieran McNairn, and I'm here to give you what I believe are the top five stories in the MMA world to bring you into the weekend. Our first story today is the UFC Argentina card and my pick of the fights to watch and why. So just starting from top to bottom on the main card, we have Pollyanna Botelio versus Cynthia Calvillo. Marlon Vera is going to face off against Guido Canetti. Ian Heinish versus Cesar Fajara is up next. Coming into the top three fights on the card, you've got Khalil Roundtree versus Johnny Walker. I'm not going to make any whiskey jokes. Ricardo Lamas is facing off against Darren Elkins. And heading up the card, we have Argentina native Santiago Ponzinibbio fighting Neil Magny. My three fights to watch, if you didn't want to watch the whole card and just want to pick a couple of fights, I would pick Botelio versus Cavillo, simply because both of these girls have very exciting styles and don't really disappoint in the cage. This one's going to be a little bit more interesting to watch, however, after seeing Calvillo almost collapse as she failed to make the 115-pound limit. Khalil Roundtree versus Johnny Walker, because everyone likes to see big dynamic guys swing, and this one is very likely to end up in a KO. Listeners may remember Khalil Roundtree's name as uh, the guy who stopped Scottish fighter Paul Craig, as well as holding a very quick KO of kickboxing legend Gokansaki. The main fight that I'm excited to watch, however, is Ponzinibbio versus Magni. I think this is really going to be interesting because I've personally not been sold on the Pons as a top-level fighter. His last few fights have seen more than a few very blatant fouls go unpunished, and I feel they had a part to play in the results of the fight. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and look up his fight with Gunnar Nelson. Magni, on the other hand, is a legit top prospect. He went on a seven-win tear a few years ago between 2014 and 2015, before being brought right back down to earth by Demian Maia, who has a habit of doing that to people. Since then, he's won six and lost two, and in the process, has beaten some big names, including Eric Silva, Kelvin Gastelum, Hector Lombard, and Carlos Condit. So this is really a big step up in competition for the Pawns. The UFC official rankings have him at number 10. I think that's probably favourable. I wouldn't say he was in the top 10. So it is going to be interesting to see if the former tough contestant has what it takes to truly be a contender in the welterweight division. Our next story is the return of Nick Diaz. We've not actually seen Nick Diaz in the cage since his loss to Anderson Silva around four years ago after he tested positive for cannabis. And obviously everyone was shocked at that news. I think the UFC's had to wait a bit of time for things to die down because he was not only banned and fined, but refused to pay his fine. If the rumours are to be believed, we're going to see the older Diaz in action early 2019 against Jorge Masvidal. Quite honestly, I think this is the most fun matchup I can imagine for Nick Diaz at this time. Okay, so next up, this is a little bit of a strange one, but bear with me. We got to hear a little bit of Mike Perry's side of things on the Jackson Wink camp drama. So, yeah, Mike Perry's been in a little bit of drama recently, leading up to his fight with Donald Cerrone. He moved out to train at Jackson Winkle John's in Albuquerque, which doesn't actually seem like a bad move for him, to be honest. Soon after that, he was matched up with Donald Cerrone, who has been at Jackson Winks for as long as I can remember. The drama started when Cerrone was told that the gym were going to be training and cornering Perry, and not him, which kind of meant that Cerrone had to find his own way. So, 
on a recent Joe Rogan podcast, he explained that he only ever really trained with Greg Jackson anyway. And Greg Jackson has been involved in every one of his camps, even when he's not trained at Jackson Winks. So you, you, you can sort of see where that went. There have been quite a few fighters leaving the gym, famous for being the home of John Jones, Holly Holm, Diego Sanchez, Carlos Conda, and many, many more recently. The cited reason for fighters leaving, when we've been given one, seem to all be the same, which is the way Mike Winklejohn has been running the place. Even though he seems happy with his choice of gym, even Perry mentioned in interviews last week that he's not really a massive fan of Winklejohn, claiming that he doesn't click with him, he prefers to get his training from other coaches. It's going to be a bit of a shame to see such a prominent name in the MMA world lose so much face, but I am interested to see what happens in the gym and with the bigger stars such as John Jones, and what co-owner Greg Jackson does next. The next story takes it home a little bit. Uh, we're in the UK, and there seems to be a little bit of uh, weird goings on with Cage Warriors and Nathan Grayson. So Nathan Grayson won the £125 strap and was due to defend it at Cage Warriors 99. I might have to edit this if it's Cage Warriors 100. After hearing that the UFC had cut the £125 division, Nathan Grayson suddenly developed some weight-cutting issues, and his team phoned Cage Warriors owner Graham Boylan and told him that he was not likely to make the weight. Now, Graham Boylan has then gone back to the team and said, it's only fair to your opponent that you give him a chance to fight for the belt, even if you can't, so we're not going to arrange a catch weight. We'll keep it at 125, and then you can come in. If you come in overweight, you forfeit the right to keep the belt if you win. Um, but your opponent will win the belt if he wins. That wasn't enough for Nathan Grayson, um, according to Graham Boylan. And he essentially wanted to have his cake and eat it, is the way that Boylan put it. Cage Warriors were obviously not having that. So they have stripped Nathan Grayson of his 125 title and have said that he will never fight with the organization again. Nathan Grayson's side of things seems to be that he lost a lot of um, faith in where his dreams were going to take him. Um, after the UFC cut their £125 division, he said it was like a, you know, a kick in the teeth, and that was obviously the path that he had mapped out in his head for himself, and it's no longer there. So it looks like he's not really interested in maybe fighting. I'm not sure. If so, that's going to be a massive shame because Nathan Grayson's a huge talent. The final story. News broadcasts like to end things on a nice happy story because typically it's been terrible things happening in this part of the world, terrible things happening at home, here's some bad news, let's end with some nice news. There's a puppy's been saved or something like that. But this is MMA news and none of it's bad or good. It's just all talking about people fighting for money. So we're going to end on what I think is the most exciting news of the past week. Even though I know it's not good for the guys involved. And both are probably going to end up with concussive problems. And probably both already have brain damage. I can't help but be excited by the news that the UFC are working on Anthony Pettis versus Justin Gagey for an early 2019 fight. Gagey is the perfect canvas for a Pettis to style on. But he's not going to be a walk in the park and might well sleep pretty Tony in spectacular fashion. And if you're a fan of MMA and not excited by that matchup, 
I have to assume you're also probably a zombie or dead. That's all for me, Kieran McNairn on MMA Hi-Fi. Join us again next week when I should have a couple of guest hosts for you. Yeah. <laughs>